Garcia, how are we doing tonight? Man, I love how you guys are chatting with each other. This place is a family. We want it to feel like family. And I am so grateful that you guys are connecting. I love it so much. And uh, if you don't know me, maybe it's your first time, maybe you can come for a little bit. Uh, my name is Steve, and I have the honor and privilege of being the young adult pastor here at SIA. And uh, man, I love this place. But, but I wanted to speak before I preach. I'm going to preach a little snippet. But uh, but, but I really wanted to spend some time just talking about what we get to be a part of is something special. And I know it's easy to like take this thing for granted that we get to come every single Thursday and experience what we get to experience, but it's not very often that other churches have young adult ministries where there's a bunch of young adults that gather with the same life stage, with the same uh, decisions that they need to make daily. And so I just want to say it's an honor that we get to gather here. And so uh, we're grateful that you guys are with us. Those of you that are watching online, man, I'm so grateful that we have a stream where you could watch us wherever you are. And uh, can we give it up for our online campus? Those of you in the building, let's give it up for you guys. But I uh, mean, I'm really, really excited. And here's the thing, we have tonight, and then we have one more service next week, and then we're done having SIA for 2021. I know, sad. But, but here's what I want you to realize tonight. I really believe, and I say this every single week, but like John said earlier, God's doing a new thing. And so I want you to lean in tonight. Take notes, do whatever you gotta do. Uh, but I really want you to lean in because I, and I know that God's gonna speak. I know that God's gonna say something that you need to hear. And it might be not even anything I say, but it's a thought that comes to mind and that's God speaking to you. And so just be ready for what God is gonna do. Amen? So uh, recently, Jessica and I, I, Jessica, my wife, we have been house hunting. Uh, we've been looking for houses and um, we've been looking around and we're like, okay, where do we want to live? What does it look like? And so we've been spending a lot of our time on Zillow and Redfin. Anybody on Zillow or Redfin? So, so we've been spending a lot of time on those two apps and um, how it works usually is uh, I'm looking at like the million dollar houses that we can't afford. And Jess is, on the other hand, looking at the houses that we can afford. And so we spend majority of our time on these apps. It's pretty much taken over our lives. And we look at every opportunity. We're like, can we afford this house? Nope. All right, let's go to the next one. Can we afford this house? And the other day, we're scrolling on Zillow and um, on Redfin. And we're looking around at all the houses that we could afford. And guys, we found this house. And it's, it's a house that's in a prime location. They got a brand new kitchen. They have a nice sized backyard because the backyard matters to me. It's, it's in a really good neighborhood. And I'm like, I'm really excited for this house. Jess is really excited for this house. And so we see all the pictures. There's about 24 pictures. And we're like, oh, these pictures look really nice. Let's go check out the house. And so a few days later, um, we see that there's an open house. And so it was a Saturday. We decided, well, let's go. Let's check out this house. We drive over to the location and Let's just say the pictures did not add up to what the house looked like. Like I'm telling you, this guy, I guess, took pictures late at night where you couldn't see the outside of the house. And that day we walked into this house and we're like, oh my gosh, we just got catfished. And I've never been catfished a day in my life. I hope you guys haven't been catfished either. But like, I didn't really know how to feel in that moment. 
I was like, uh, Jess, how do we feel right now? And I'm one that like, I wear my emotions on my sleeve. And so I'm like, dude, we just got catfish. Just like, can't you just wait till we get into the car? Like, stop, stop. And there's people in the house, they're checking it out. They're looking to buy it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, let's just say the house needed a lot of work. But, but there was something in the picture that really got me and they had turf in the backyard. And I was like, there's some hope. There's some turf in the backyard. So I remember walking into the backyard and guys, there was dirt. <laughs> this guy was trying to sell the house so badly, he photoshopped turf into the picture. And I'm like, I don't know how I feel about buying a house anymore. And like, let's just put this thing on hold. But we, we literally got catfished and it was bad. And I've been thinking about this a lot lately because it's new to me. And I, if, if you've ever been catfished, I'm so sorry. Uh, but there's a show about this stuff like in the dating world. But, but I was thinking about this and I was thinking about my message and it really got me thinking, man, how often are we as a people catfished in culture? Where we get catfished into this idea of discontentment where I talked about it a few weeks ago, but I wanted to bring it up because we think the grass is always greener on the other side. We think where we are in, right now in life isn't as good as where we're gonna be next. We think, man, I'm 26 years old. I thought by now I was gonna have kids, but here I am not even married. Or I'm here, I'm at this job, and I absolutely hate this job. I'm just here until I could get to the next one. And then we go on social media and that doesn't really help us either because then we go and we start scrolling and we see people that have graduated from college and we're, we're in like year five of college and we're like, ah, oh, this isn't working out like I thought it was. Or um, we see people getting their dream jobs and here we are not landing a job. And what happens is when we get these thoughts and we're like, Man, okay, I'm, here I am, the grass is greener on the other side. We don't see what's happening in our life. Things aren't adding up and we're seeing everybody else live this amazing life. It could easily be that we fall into this trap of being catfished, where, where we think to ourselves, man, may, maybe I'm not good enough. May, maybe I did something wrong. Or we look at other people and we think, man, they have it so much easier than I do. Man, they come from money. I wish I came from money. They don't have the upbringing that I had. And we look at other people's stories and we see it like they didn't, we don't know what they went through in order to get to where they are today. And so I really want you to know that the pictures that we saw on the internet were very different than what we saw in person. And I think a lot of times on social media, it's not a bad thing, but we see one thing, but there is something totally different happening behind the screen. And I really want to make sure that we're not looking to our left, we're not looking to our right, and we're not comparing our lives to other people. We're on a different journey than them. Because this thought process that we have, it could leave us unsettled, it could steal our peace, take away our joy, and ultimately it could have us rushing our season. And tonight I want to spend the next few moments speaking from the subject, don't rush your season. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. I, I've been loving just putting titles on my messages. I'm kind of geeking out. And so it would make me feel a lot better if you take notes. No, I'm just kidding. But if you want to take notes, at the title, you could put, don't rush your season. And maybe you've been there before. Maybe you've, maybe you've been in a place where you're looking to your left, you're looking to your right, and you're thinking to yourself, man, if only I was there, then I would be happier. If only I had that job, then I would finally love my life. And it's so easy to do that. 
But what happens is it makes us not present where we are right now. You know, when we're looking for the next job, we're not present with the people that God placed in our lives right now. And let me say this, if you've ever been in that place where you wanted to rush your season, where maybe you're in a place currently where you're like, I cannot wait to get out of my job. I cannot wait to leave my house. I cannot wait to graduate college. I cannot wait to get married. I no longer wanna be single. If you're in that place, can we just acknowledge that we've all been there before? You know, the reason I'm preaching this message is a one-off message. And the reason I'm preaching it to you guys is because this is what I'm going through right now. I recently have been in a season where I'm looking to my left, I'm looking to my right, and I simply just wanna be in the next season of life. I'm trying to rush to the next chapter. And when we're in young, when, as young adults, I just wanna acknowledge that life is difficult. And it's easy to wanna go to the next thing. Because here's what I know to be true, and Jess and I have been talking about this. When we're younger, we go to elementary school, right? And in elementary school, we know where we're going next. We're going to middle school. And after middle school, we're going to high school and so forth. But as young adults in our years, we we don't have that. We don't know where we're going to. It's a lot of unknown. There's a lot of transition in the young adult year, which is why I'm grateful for this place. But it can feel like you're alone, you're isolated on this island, and on top of that, we don't have the same safety nets that we did in elementary school, that we did in middle school, that we did in high school. We don't have principals, we don't have people guiding us and telling us what we need to do next. We don't have someone saying, hey, if you wanna get a promotion, this is what you need to do. This is your next career move that you need to make. No, it's entirely up to us. And ultimately, God leading us, but I just want to acknowledge where we are today that I've been there before and it's easy to do that because so much is unknown, especially when it's a hard time in our lives. We just want to move on to the next thing. But but I really want to challenge us to be present where God has us right now and not look to the next best thing because here's what I know to be true. If we're rushing this season of life, we're going to rush the next one and then we're going to rush the next one. And ultimately what's going to happen is we're going to rush our entire life. And our entire life is going to be rushed. Like, what what happened? I'm 80 years old now. And we didn't actually live life to the fullest because we're so focused on getting to the next best thing. And that's why I want to encourage you that if you've been there before, it's so important to be here on a Thursday night. It's so important to be in community with other people because you're not alone. There are people that are going through the same exact thing as you, that need to make the same decisions as you. And we wanna encourage you, we wanna come alongside you and ultimately we wanna do what's best for you and we want you to follow God's plan for your life and so just know that you're not alone. And my hope today is wherever you find yourself, whether you love where you're at in life, you hate where you're at in life, you're like, I just cannot wait for this thing to be over or maybe you're simply just comfortable where God has you. My hope is that you would walk out of this building tonight, you would click off of our YouTube tonight knowing that you're exactly where God wants you to be. And God is saying, be present with the people I put in your path. Be present at the job I've given you. Don't rush to the next thing because ultimately you're gonna live a rushed life. And so tonight we're gonna be in John chapter four. 
John chapter four is one of my favorite stories that we're gonna be reading from. But before we read God's word, I just want us to pray. God, I thank you so much for who you are. And God, I thank you for your goodness. And God, right now, as we open up your word, I pray that you would speak to us in this very moment. I know you're already speaking, but God, I pray that words would just come out of the scriptures like we've never seen it before. God, I pray for revelation right now. God, I pray for a fresh wind to come over us in this very moment. Would you speak? Your people are listening. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. John chapter 4, we're going to be in verse 46. It's going to come up on the screen. It says this, once more he, talking about Jesus, he visited Cana in Galilee where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on his way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when the son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. To set the scene and give some context and set our story up as to what's happening, Jesus, right before our story that we just read, is in an area called Samaria. In Samaria, he is walking by one day this well, and he has, he has an encounter with this woman. Many of us know the story, the woman at the well. He encounters this lady who's at this well, getting water for her family at a really odd time. Jesus has this in conversation with her, a really long conversation, in fact, and the woman ends up giving her life to Jesus saying, man, I want the water that you have to offer me. That, that's never gonna run out. And so she ends up giving her life to Jesus. She then goes back to her village. Her entire village, she see how, how she's reacting and how she's different in the transformation that happened. And they're like, dude, what happened to that girl? I know how she used to live, but what just happened? Ever since she came back from that well, she's been different. And so all of a sudden, this whole entire village is now like, dude, I want what you have, lady. And so they follow her back to the well, and they all encounter Jesus. So that is what's taking place right before this story. Jesus, he, he leaves Samaria, and he goes to Cana. Cana is this city in Galilee. It's actually important to note that this is a special place for Jesus because it's the first miracle he ever performed was here in Cana where he's at a wedding, they ran out of wine, and he turns water into wine. He's not in Cana for very long when this man that we read about comes running over to him. He's a dad whose son is sick and is about to die. This man comes running over to him, and he doesn't run like a block in order to get to Jesus. This man went 20 miles to get to Jesus. That's like from here to Disney, but uphill. And so it's not from here to Disney. This man went 20 miles uphill in order to get to Jesus, and he finds himself begging and begging Jesus to heal his son. And now scholars would say that the begging that he's talking about isn't like, Jesus, could he heal my son? Jesus, could he heal my son? No, this man was begging. He was not taking no for an answer. He was saying, Jesus, you're going to heal my son. 
Jesus, in fact, you're not gonna heal my son. You're gonna come with me. You're gonna follow me back down to my house. You're gonna lay hands on my son and then he's gonna be healed. And right here in this story, we see that Jesus does perform the miracle, not the way the guy wanted it to happen. Jesus heals him from a distance. But of all the people that could rush their season, it would be this guy. I mean, his son is literally about to die. He approaches Jesus. He is sweaty, I'm sure. He is dirty, but he is desperate. And he goes all the way 20 miles in order to get to Jesus. And so tonight, I believe there's a couple things we can learn from this man's story, especially as we're navigating this tension of how do I stay present where I'm at? When life is difficult, how do I be where God called me to be? How do I not look to the next best thing? How do I not look behind or forward? How could I be present? And I believe there's two things, two thoughts that I wanna share with you. And the first one is this. You need to first submit to your season. Submit to your season. I like the double S, so I went with submit to your season. The the truth is, you might not be where you wanna be, but trust that's where you need to be. The thing about this story is we don't know how long this Roman official was in this season of life. We don't know how long he was praying for healing. We don't know how long his son had been sick for. The the scripture doesn't tell us that. In fact, we just read a few verses and sometimes we can think that's the entire story. No, John is, is giving us the entire story, but there's a lot more to this guy's life than we see. And so we don't really know his entire story, but we do know that he's desperate and we do know that this season of life grew him. In the beginning, the man approaches Jesus and he's begging Jesus to heal his son. And scholars would say this man had crisis faith. In other words, his, his life is in crisis. He's about to lose his son. So he's doing anything and everything in order for his son to be healed. Have you ever been there before where you had crisis faith? When, when something happens, a loved one is sick and you're crying out to Jesus more than you ever been, you've ever done in your life. That's where this guy was at. He had crisis faith. And he's like, dude, you better heal my son. You better heal my, heal my son. But at the end of his story, he had confident faith. He went from crisis faith to confident faith, meaning he took Jesus at his word. He prayed and he prayed and he was like, Jesus, you need to come with me to heal my son. Jesus says, go, your son is healed. He had confident faith. It said he took Jesus at his word and he went back the 20 miles. Look at verse 47. It says, when the men heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. That just shows the crisis that this man was in, but he walked away, like I said, confident. And I don't know the reason why you're going through your season. I don't know why life is challenging. Sometimes it's just life that happens. Sometimes it's a consequence of a decision that we made. And I don't know why you're going through what you're going through, but can I encourage you that this man let his hardship grow him. He could have easily let it discourage him, but in fact, he let it grow him. And like I said, we don't always get to choose what happens to us, but we get to choose how we respond to it. Are we gonna make it, is it gonna make us bitter or better? And I believe everything that we go through, we can use as an opportunity for growth. Maybe you're here today or maybe this happened in the past where you lost a friend. 
You were once super close to this person. That was your confidant. You shared everything. You did life with them. Every waking moment, you were with this person. And then one day, you're no longer friends with them. Life happened, a fight happened, something happened, and you're no longer friends with this person. We could choose to be bitter and say, man, I hate that person, or we could move on and say, man, I don't like the season that I'm in right now, but I know it's gonna grow my character. I know it's gonna make me a better friend later on in life. Maybe a breakup. Maybe you're here and you're experiencing a breakup. It's hard. And I'm not saying fake where you're at. Be in tune with your emotions. Admit that this is not a fun place to be in. But maybe, just maybe, instead of sitting there and saying, man, this is the worst thing ever, maybe God's saying, hey, rely on me. Trust in me, I got you figured out. And use this as a time where you could grow and mature and develop so you could be ready for the next relationship that you're about to embark on. And you're not doing that in order to get to the next thing. You're just doing it because you're trying to be faithful to what God called you to do. Maybe it's the holidays. I know that's approaching. And maybe this Christmas, you're dreading it because there's gonna be an empty seat at the table or empty seats at the table. I know for me, Jessica, my wife and I, we're going back to visit my family and there's gonna be empty seats at the table. My siblings, they all can't be together. Some of them live out of state. And so I know that there's gonna be empty seats at our table and it's gonna be sad. But maybe this holiday season, there's an empty seat at your table because of a death of a loved one. Acknowledge where you're at. Know that that season is hard. But I believe every season that we go through can grow us if we let it. But it's only, we're only gonna be able to go, grow through the season if we're present in it. We can't just be wait, waiting and wishing and hoping that it ends. We gotta be present so we can use this as an opportunity for growth. And so you might be here thinking, okay, I hear what you're talking about. I'd like to double S, the, the submit to your season, maybe not. But, but how, do I, how do I submit to my season? What does that look like? And I want you to take notes if you're not taking notes. And I believe there's three things that you could do in order to submit to your season. The first thing is this, don't complain about where you are. I know for me, my first thing to do is to find myself in a hard place and complain about everything. Man, I hate this, this is the worst thing ever. Are you kidding me? No one else knows what I'm going through. I'm the only one going through this. And I know that's how I respond to things. So what I tried to do now in my life is say, man, praise God I get to do that. Man, I'm thankful that I get to go through that hardship because it's gonna grow me. Now, it's not always that easy. I get that there's emotions involved and I'm not saying I'm better than anybody else. But that's what I try to do. I try not to complain. I try to bite my tongue and say, God, what are you trying to teach me in this moment? So don't complain about where you are. The second thing is don't compare don't compare your life to those around you. Because what comparison does, it steals your joy. It kills where you are. And so don't be looking to those that are around you saying, I wish I had what they had. Man, why can't I be where they're at? Use it as an opportunity for growth. And the third thing is keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't focus on how big the problem is, although it's gonna be easy. Focus on how good God is. Focus on the fact that God is bigger than that problem that's in front of you. And I know it sounds really good. When you hear that, you're like, yeah, that's good. But when you're going through it, it's a lot different. 
And so I, I acknowledge that and I'm totally with you in that. But I truly believe if we fix our eyes on Jesus, he's gonna meet us. This man had his eyes on Jesus. He went 20 miles in order to get to him. All we need to do to fix our eyes on Jesus is spend 20 seconds praying with him. 20 minutes praying with him. This man went out of his way because he's desperate. And I believe we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. In fact, the other day, I was driving. I don't even know where we were going. And I'm looking at the car next to me. And sure enough, what happens? I go from my lane to the next lane. Because I'm so busy looking at the person next to me that I couldn't even stay in my lane. And I think that's what happens in life. We get our eyes off of Jesus and we start drifting into different areas. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Let's see every opportunity Let's see every season as an opportunity of growth. And the second thing that we learn from this story is trust God's timing. Trust God's timing. Look at verse 50. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. I love this. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, Yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Look at this, verse 53. Highlight it, do what you need to do. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. He and his whole household believed. You see, what's so fascinating to me was that the healing happened immediately, but the man didn't see it immediately. This man had to go 20 miles in order to see his miracle. I know for myself, 20 miles alone, solo, holding on to the fact that my son is gonna be healed. If I was in that boat 10 miles in, I would have been like, oh, is, is he really gonna be healed? What, what do I do if he's not healed? I mean, not even 10 miles in, five miles in, a minute in, I would have been like, uh, is he for sure healed? This man had such confident faith that he took Jesus at his word and he says, I know my son's gonna be healed. Jesus told me that he's gonna be healed and so I'm taking it and I'm walking it back home. He had no doubt that his boy was gonna be healed. He was probably replaying the interaction that he had with Jesus on the way home. This dude had such a confident faith but I read this and I wonder, what is God doing in your life that you can't see? What is God doing in your life that you can't see? This man didn't see his miracle right away, but it happened. So what's God doing in your life that you can't see? What are the prayers that you've been praying for such a long time? And you think, man, God's never gonna answer this prayer. What if he's answering your prayer, but it's just not right now? Well, what if the timing isn't right now? I know I've been there. I've been praying and praying for a whole lot of years for certain things. And I want to quit. I'm like, man, God, really? Really? But what if God's answering my prayer and he's working behind the scenes and I don't even know it? And I truly believe that's what he's doing. Oftentimes, he's working behind the scenes. And like scripture says, his ways are not our ways. We might not know what he's doing. Maybe you see the season that you're in right now is a waste of time. And you're like, man, I hate this job. It's the worst thing ever. Been there. What happens if God's preparing you for the next job? 
Now, you don't keep your eyes on the next job. You're just present and faithful where God called you to be. But what happens if he's growing you for the next job and you don't even know it? Well, when you're single and you're like, man, oh my gosh, single, this is awful. What if he's growing you to be the best spouse he's called you to be? What about that new friendship after that old one? What happens if he is getting you ready to be the best friend to someone that they very much need? But we're not going to be prepared if we're not using this time right now to prepare. We're, We're so quick to move on to the next thing. I want you to know this. Jesus literally came through at the perfect time for this man. He wasn't a minute late. He wasn't a minute early. He literally spoke Your son is healed, and what happened? At one o'clock, his son was healed. And so trust God's timing. God knows exactly where you're at. He sees you, he hears you, he notices you. Trust that you're where he needs you to be. And I know that it's easy to wanna rush your season. Like I said, I'm coming out of that. There's... Lately, I've been looking at the next best thing. I'm like, Jess, we can afford this house for sure, and then all of a sudden, we can't. Man, I just want this time to be over because I'm done praying and begging God to come through in this area of my life, and I just wanna move on. But what I'm learning and what I'm preaching to myself right now is I need to be present. I need to trust his timing. If you're single, the reason I'm hitting on this is because the holidays are coming up. I've been there. Man, another Christmas being single. I mean, who am I going to be kissing under the mistletoe? (laughs) Another New Year single. I thought I would be ringing in the New Year with someone by my side. And it's easy to, to look at that situation that we're in, but trust God's timing. He knows what he's doing. Prepare yourself. This man heard the word, but he heard it at the right time. He was able to hear the word and take it with him. I think sometimes we hear a word from God, but we're not prepared. We're not ready to take it with us. And maybe God's preparing you and saying, hey, stay single, work on your relationship. That man, that girl, they're they're coming, but be present, trust his timing. Or maybe you're here and you're like, man, nobody sees the work that I'm doing. Man, I need a pay raise so bad. People don't even acknowledge how much I do for this company. I mean, they can't even compensate me what I should be getting compensated. Trust his timing. Know that God knows exactly what you need and he's gonna come through at the perfect time. Maybe you're praying for a loved one to come back to faith. Trust his timing. Keep praying. Don't give up. He's gonna come through at the perfect time, not a minute late or a minute early. Maybe you find yourself in a busy time of life. You're like, I cannot wait for this chapter to close because I have school and then I got work and then I go to the gym and then I gotta hang out with family and then I have friends. I got so much going on in life. It's a season. It's not the rest of your life. Don't rush now because you're gonna continue rushing everything afterwards. Jesus is gonna come through at the perfect time. But what I love about this story is at the very end of his story, it says that his whole household came to faith. His whole household. That that does not mean because his son was healed, his son came to faith or his wife came to faith. No, his whole household meant 
all the people that are working underneath him, which was a lot because of the job that he had, all those people came to faith. His entire extended family and immediate family all came to know Jesus. Why? I believe it's because he was how he responded during the difficulty of life. He had such a confident faith that people were like, dude, I could totally get behind that. What if your friends wouldn't step foot into a church, but they're looking how you live your life? And they're like, dude, is that person for real? They say one thing, yet they do another. Man, they say they believe in Jesus, yet when this hardship happened, they totally gave up on him. They say that they trust him. Yet, I see them with doubt. I believe that our lives show other people our relationship with Jesus. How we live is important. And this man right here, how he responded, he went, I'm in a crisis. I'm taking Jesus at his word and I'm confident. And it happened over time. Like I said earlier, I'm not very good in math, but There's more to his life than the seven verses that we read or the six verses that we read. There's more to his life than that. And I believe this man walked away believing Jesus like never before because he came through. But I believe we don't need to see a miracle in order to trust Jesus. We don't need to receive a miracle in order to have faith in him. Although that's nice. Although we want our prayers to be answered, will you still follow Jesus if he doesn't answer your prayers? And I know in a room this size, many of us would say yes. And I want you to think about that though. Trust God's timing. Trust where he has you. You're exactly where you need to be. Don't get ahead of him. He's got a big plan for your life, follow it. Don't be your own tour guide because that's not gonna work out very well. Don't have someone else's tour guide because I lead you astray. I'm the worst with directions. Follow God, trust him, and know that he knows where you're at. He sees you, and most importantly, he loves you. And sometimes we go through life, and we might not know the reason why we're going through what we're going through. But trust him. Use it as an opportunity for growth. Even when you want to doubt, say, God, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to show me right now in this very moment? And use it as an opportunity to grow. It's difficult, it's gonna be hard, but how we live is gonna show other people that we're for real.